Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Good morning. No, it's not Steve Orchard. He's having a little bit of time off, so it's me, Andy Marsh, looking after things for the next three Sundays. Today, we get the Country Land and Business Association's take on the Sustainable Farmers Initiative. This is not an area-based payment, which is what we sort of have been moving away from under the Common Agricultural Policy. It should make the farming system in the UK more sustainable in the long term. That's Cameron Hughes from the CLA. More from him later. And also we're discussing bees. Probably one of the cheapest ways a farmer can add to his yield, to his crop value, is to encourage bees onto it. It doesn't really cost very much at all. That's Neil Pont. Two interviews actually on bees today about how the industry's going and how farmers can help. And of course, there's the market report, agronomy with Sean Sparling and the weather for the week ahead. That's all to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme. Firstly, good news about the Lincolnshire show today. The event was just over a week ago, of course, and it did see an increase of around 5,000 visitors this year. The official figures were only revealed this week. Organisers say they were delighted with the response, as well as the increase in the number of stallholders. And now attention turns to next year's show, which hopefully will be just as successful. As you probably already know, the farming minister was at the Lincolnshire show. He launched the new payment system known as the Sustainable Farming Initiative. You may still be getting your head round it. Here's what Minister Mark Spencer had to say. We've got to change the way in which we're farming and producing food to benefit the environment at the same time. Now, food security is very important. Important that we keep ourselves well fed. We've been very good at that in the past. But we need to change that so we also benefit the environment. So we think about biodiversity. We think about water quality. So that those farms are there for future generations to continue to keep us well fed. And we've been getting reaction to that announcement from the Country Land and Business Association. I spoke to Cameron Hughes from the CLA. He noticed something in particular. £45 a hectare payment for not spraying insecticide. That doesn't, obviously doesn't stop you from growing your cereal crop as well. There's a companion cropping option that's being paid for through sustainable farming incentive as well. So that's kind of what made the SFI 23 offer look quite interesting. The ability to not only grow a crop, but to stack some of these payments up on top of each other, which overall gives quite an attractive payment rate, rather than the alternative being you're being paid to sort of take an area out of production and getting a payment that they're working on at the moment. And I gather the CLA are pretty positive about what has been announced. Just a little bit of detail about why that is. The overarching principle behind all those schemes being that it'll pay government money in exchange for delivery of public goods, so improved air quality, water quality, enhanced biodiversity, etc. It'll fund sort of actions that go alongside everyday farming practices which help deliver on the delivery of those public goods. We're on board with it, we're excited about it and quite pleasingly from our perspective we've been quite eager for the rollout to be accelerated beyond DEFRA's original programme. So that's happened with more actions that are going to be funded later this year through the SFI and then a full menu coming online next year in 2024 when originally the plan was 2025. So we're pleased to see that. There could be an argument for saying that, you know, if you're spending time on environmental issues, that potentially, in some cases, may hit profitability. Is that a concern after this announcement? Participation isn't mandatory, so you can choose whether or not to go into the Sustainable Farming Centre or any of the government-funded schemes. So you're perfectly within your rights to continue farming outside of those schemes if you think that's going to work better for your business. But the payment rates themselves that are being offered through 
ELMS, including sustainable farming incentive, are based on this or this methodology rather, which is called income for gone plus costs. So you're basically paid for the opportunity costs for not otherwise pursuing a farming enterprise as opposed to the actions that you're being paid to deliver through ELMS and the sustainable farming incentive. And again, the farming minister at the Lincolnshire show last week, he suggested this may help to boost food production. Is that something that you would agree with him on? Obviously, it's not a it's not a couple payment. It's not an area-based payment, which is what we sort of have been moving away, away from under the Common Agricultural Policy. It should make the farming systems in the UK more sustainable in the long term. I think there's probably a certain amount of reality that needs to be injected into the conversation that some farms probably won't be profitable without the basic payment scheme, scheme that we're moving away from, and the kind of methodologies behind rewarding farmers under ELMS, i.e. the sort of income for gone plus costs model. It seems to mean at the moment that sort of some farmers potentially could stand to be less well rewarded than others. So that's something that we're working on at the moment to try and get a more of a level playing field in terms of that support through elms and other schemes obviously that's a concern is it just a very small number of farms who are in that uh, worrying position speaking in very broad terms under the elms umbrella you've got sustainable farming incentive countryside shares you've got landscape recovery obviously sustainable farming incentive is the one we've been talking about up to now which is funding 23 new actions which generally speaking have already existed through countryside stewardship when it comes to sort of the new income generating opportunities the new actions that you can get paid for through sustainable farming incentive they seem to be sort of more heavily geared towards those farming more productive land to those farming arable land as well compared to a few different part of the country where the offer doesn't look quite as exciting at this point in time but it's something that we've flagged the death for repeatedly and something that they're working on at the moment thank you cameron now at the lincolnshire show steve orchard tried his hand at beekeeping yeah he also asked andy colson's from lincolnshire beekeepers association about the importance of the industry well it's beekeepers that uh, are keeping the the colonies going basically they are the future of the bees a lot of the colonies that are wild they'll only 20 percent will only survive because of uh, the diseases that are around you know uh, so basically uh, it's very important we we have beekeepers and encourage people myself as education and uh, exam secretary in the county and trying to bring in new people into the clubs we've got 10 clubs in the county and it's just encouraging people to get involved come and have a go and as you've done today you find it's not as uh, daunting daunting as you first think it's going to be and from our farming community what can farmers do to help do you know what um i've got two out out apries where it's called an apiary where we keep our bees and basically both of mine are on farms and the farmers they're, they're working in in conjunction with us um, looking at spray times and what have you they'll adjust their time of spray in a day and I know a lot of my beekeeping colleagues they, they've all got apiaries on farms So maybe have an apiary on farm and in terms of a lot of farmers are planting margins now flower margins, Absolutely. does that help? Yeah, It does, it helps for both honeybees bumblebees, wasps, flies it's, it, they're all pollinators anybody that's planting borage or, or field beans I had a really good crop off field beans last year really really lovely honey and basically we just keep the farmer um, throughout the year, keep him stocked up with honey and we have another take on bees coming shortly, but first it's time for agronomy and Sean Sparling is here Morning Sean 
Morning, Andy. Must be about a year since we spoke then. Uh, Nice to have you back for a bit. So a bit like you, Andy, I'm going to be short and sweet this week, thanks to the weather and, of course, the time of year, because things are starting to think about giving up and heading towards harvest as far as spraying goes anyway. Although it all has got a little bit complicated this season, thanks to this dry weather, because and because it's been so dry since the middle of May, residual herbicides in particular have really struggled to fulfil their destiny, if you like, in the spring crops. So starting with sugar beet, then fat end, mayweed, ivy, leaf speedwell knotgrass all proven to be a control challenge and a downright pain in the doodah to be honest in some fields hopefully the drop of rain that we did see this week and it was nothing more than a drop in many places it's just going to reinvigorate these residuals like lenocil ethofumosate metamitron which we've been laying down in two or three applications over the past few weeks and the weeds which do look way too happy will hopefully finally succumb always a challenge to control weeds like knotgrass in particular once that first true leaf appears or once it gets its tongue out as we used to say so this year has been a perfect season for the hoe hoe in sugar beet you dry the soils out high temperatures these dry soils that means any weeds that are hoed out and laid on the soil surface just wither up and die now of course the sugar beet has grown considerably just lately so many of the sugar beet fields are pretty much too big to go and hoe once they've met across the row but those later pieces or those more backward bits might still benefit and don't dismiss salt applications either salt of course is a vital nutrient for sugar beet in its own right with sugar beet being an estuarine plant and it acts like a tonic in years like this but if it's applied in a sufficient volume on a hot and sunny day it also acts as a remarkably efficient desiccant too so volunteer potatoes patches of pale persicaria and other big weeds can be reliably fried on the right day and with many beet fields of course meeting across the rows and ground cover complete as I say it's too late for further grass or broadleaf weed treatments in those fields anyway Mises persicae still about also worth remembering that once the plant gets to 12 leaves the threshold falls from one wingless nymph per four plants to one wingless nymph per plant because the plant's own resistance mechanisms are kicking in and once you get a beet plant built beyond 16 leaves you're pretty much wasting your money and your time black aphid treatment as well while we're talking about aphids on only really justified on the backward or stressed crops that have got more than a hundred black aphids per plant and you have to average that across the field not just on the headland there's no sign of beet moth by the way yet in these parts and so don't go out spraying pyrethroids for those just out of habit keep checking the bbro site for more news on on that pest nutrition issues still pretty obvious across the county manganese sulfur magnesium nitrogen phosphate potassium all showing up widely uh, in deficiencies good time correct those now if you haven't done so already and also worth noting as well that any clopyrrolid treatments you still have to do you need to apply clopyrrolid to sugar beet before yesterday by july winter wheat largely done now a few grain aphids out there but really nothing close to the threshold of two ears in three with a colony of grain aphids and once the grain gets to the cheesy ripe stage which a lot is now any aphids which are in there can't cause any direct feeding damage because they can't get their mouth parts into the grain after that stage and um, you tend to get problems with cladosporium because of the honeydew but nothing more than that skyfall and zyat still showing annoyingly determined yellow rust uh, out there and if you're being told to put a t4 fungicide on to control that yellow rust just double check the latest legal application growth stage timings and make sure 
sure you're still legal because you're probably too late if your wheat is already at cheesy, right? Peas and beans romping away where the soil type and the access to moisture has been kind anyway. Pea aphids easy enough to find now in all the combining and the vining peas and black aphids starting to gather in anger too, increasing almost logarithmically in winter beans and now starting to gather in the spring beans too. Always work to thresholds of around 10% of plants infested with black aphids in the more backward beans, 20% of plants infested in the thicker, more forward bits. Mind you, they do tend to be a lot worse on the headlands, so get yourself up the tram lines. And, you know, once all the pods are set, like they are in many of my winter beans now, which are actually starting to go home in many fields, if you notice this week, you start to question whether if they do come in this late, they're actually going to be worth treating. So ask your agronomist that question. Spring beans, more at risk of the direct feeding issues, where they will literally suck the top of the plant dry. But if the ant ladybirds, the ants, the hoverflies, spiders, lacewings, wasps, birds, etc., if they're not keeping the numbers down, then perimicar probably the best solution for black aphid in beans at this stage, and peas for that matter. And you get that vapour activity from perimicar within the canopy, which is going to last about a week or so. Way more effective on the black aphid, and it's much kinder to those little beneficials as well. Pea moth numbers increasing again this week, so treatment timings as per the pgro.org site should be followed. I couldn't fit any more pea moth into my pheromone traps if I tried, so it could just be a bad year for pea moth this year. Spring barley struggling out there in those later drillings, as we said last week. Still an awful lot of thirsty barley crops across the county that would benefit from some wet weather, and it's getting late enough for controlling grass weeds in barley as those horns appear and the ears pop out again. So do be careful and check your label. And of course, this hot, humid weather, perfect for potato blight. As I said last week, not a bad idea then to keep the multi-sites going in and use all of the best tools you have available. Hot, thundery weather makes a potato agronomist twitch. And all see rate really starting to turn now too. Still a lot of green seeds in the fields and that bleaching that was caused by the heat and sunshine for the last 10 days or so can be very misleading, making you think that they're further on than they are. But do keep an eye on them because a drop of rain this time of year and more heat and more sunshine will see these all seed rate crops go very, very quickly. And so it's really when there are more brown seeds than green in the middle pods, that's your glyphosate timing. And I have absolutely no doubt that I'll be in some of my all seed rate before I speak to you next week. So on that bombshell, let's see what the next seven days bring. The Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme. Good morning, this is Andy Marsh in for Steve Orchard. Now back to bees, and I've been speaking to Neil Pont, who's chairman of Pont's Honey. They have farms throughout Lincolnshire. I asked him about the current state of the industry. Difficult. Bulk honey price has actually gone down when all of the expenses are going up. And the jar price in shops is pretty level for us, so we're holding our own there. But we only sell about a third of our product directly through shops in jars, the bulk sales in, in barrels and uh, honey um, buckets. £30 buckets is, is a bit slack at the moment, a bit slow. When we're talking about bees, what is the importance of bees, obviously to yourself and your business, vital, but for the wider farming sector, what is the importance there? Honeybees are crucial to the um, farming sector, food production. Farm is not natural. There's a mass of flowers appear in a field in need of pollination. The natural pollinators are not there. You know, they're not sustained. So you need farmed bees in order to cover farmed crops. Obviously, our bees go to hedgerows and verges and things like that, but 
our main crops come from uh, farmed crops, you know, oilseed rape, beans, field beans, spring and winter planted and borage and then heather. They all flower in isolation for a month at different times of the year and natural pollinators do not move great distances. Well, they're probably not available either at the right time. So um, honeybees, which are a natural species to Britain, need to be farmed in order to make use of them for agriculture. Does more need to be done to sustain them? Yeah, more diversity. We've got very good at killing weeds with with spray. All sorts of bees did a lot better when when we had uh, more weeds in, in the crops and also had more weeds in the verges and hedgerows. Farmers are aware of this and they're very sensitive to it. Most of the ones that I deal with nowadays, long gone are the times when farmers found beekeepers as a pest just getting in the way. They're very encouraging and realise the benefits of bees. Probably one of the cheapest ways a farmer can add to his yield, to his crop value, is to encourage bees onto it. You know, it's, it doesn't really cost very much at all for most crops. There's benefits that range between 17 and 25% in yield volume. What bee farmers do is carbon neutral without trying. We drive around in diesel trucks, but the plant produces nectar and pollen anyway. And the value added to the crop in terms of food production is much more greater than what we burn driving up and down the motorway, moving our bees about. So it's a win-win for the environment and for food production in this country. But we're not appreciated. We don't get any subsidies. We don't get any help at all really and things are pretty tough as they are for a lot of the companies at the moment oh, and what are the reasons because i gather the number of honeybees has dropped generally speaking why is that specifically there aren't any wild bees anymore any wild honeybees and that's because a little pest called um, varroa which which came in the 90s from europe originally from asia it jumped species from another type of honeybee an asian honeybee our, our honeybees, the European honeybees, don't have any resistance to this pest and its uh, various viruses that it carries. And we have to treat for that. But uh, as a result, the ones that uh, are in the wild, the bees that escape in a swarm or something and set up home in a, in a church, often in a church tower or, um, I don't know, a, a dead tree, a hole in the tree or something, they tend to not last long, you know, two years maximum. Originally, in the 90s, they would only last last a year, so they're starting to develop some resistance to the varroa mite, but it's baby steps, early days yet. It's estimated that there are less honeybees than there were, say, 100 years ago, but it is a bit of an estimate. And managed correctly, honeybees are not in decline it's the environment really that dictates how many it will sustain uh, and a more diverse environment with you know more more wildflowers would would help enormously all all bee species there's there's quite a lot of other bee species in in the UK that are in in crisis really but uh, for various reasons some people even say that uh, honeybees competing with them will will be a, a contributory factor but honeybees are a natural part of the British nature and yes there would be some competition and I suppose they are favoured a little bit by the way that beekeepers tend to them so there will be a little bit of uh, overlap there but uh, I find more bee species in areas you know because I do a little bit of a a survey from time to time you know just looking around what what, put uh, nesting boxes up for various different types of bee and 
I actually find more bees in the areas where I've had apiaries, I've had bee sites for for decades. My father had bee sites in those same sites for all his life, really, 60 years, and I've taken them over. There's more bee species around honeybees. So whether they scavenge a bit from the honeybees or whether when there aren't any wild bees, the honeybees pollinate the, the wild plants. Therefore, the wild plants are there the following year when there are some wild bees in need of a, a meal. I don't know what the reason is, really. It's a complicated story. Nobody really knows. It's difficult to analyse it in isolation. But uh, I'm an environmentalist myself, and I don't lose any sleep about my bees taking food from other species, other types of bee. Thank you, Neil. Lynx FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock. Here's Oliver Chapman, who's the Louth livestock auctioneer. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for Monday the 26th of June. Started with a prime cattle which sees steers sell to 281 pence per kilo for John Scolia Bormba or £1,704.95 for F. Wallace and Sons of Biscothorpe. On to the prime lambs and a larger yarding sees an SQQ of 308.95 pence per kilo with an all-in average of 309.78 pence per kilo, showing again that those heavy-weighted meated lambs have been the dearest. Topping with Scrivelsby Farms at 334 pence per kilo or S Cosgrove at £171 per head. Just a handful of prime hogs, all in average 143.81 pence per kilo. And top for CR Applewhite of Newark at 189 pence per kilo or 106 pounds per head. On to the cool ewes and a large yarding as to be expected uh, with the week coming up. See 179, all in average 115 pounds and 96 pence. These top for Scrivelsby Farms Limited at 156 pounds with ewes or for SR Kilby at £152 per head for cool rams. Huge thank you to everyone that's been in supported this week, both buyers and vendors. We are back on again tomorrow with store cattle and all classes of prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep. So for all marketing of livestock or to discuss entries, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. And on to the grain markets with Openfield, here's Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, Andy. Well, this week has well and truly grounded us. We have seen what a difference 24 hours can make in the new world we are becoming accustomed to, where we can witness swings of £5 in a matter of hours. Let's start with what has changed. In one word, weather. More accurately, the weather models that are predicting large parts of the Corn Belt might get rain over the next few days. With month end coming and a long weekend for the US as they celebrate 4th of July, it seems that the whole market is putting great faith in what will appear from the skies. Several reports have been suggesting that the US spring wheat is the likeliest place for rain to appear, but crucially too, the I-states of Iowa, Illinois and Indiana are forecast over two inches of rain. Another news story which added fuel to our markets early Monday morning was the instability in Russia. News that the founder of the Wagner Mercenary Group was unhappy about the way in which the war was being fought, had crossed the border from Ukraine back into Russia, had taken control of a city and was heading full speed to Moscow for a showdown with President Putin, took some believing. 24 hours later, all talks of treason had been dropped after a deal had been struck and he was offered safe passage out to Belarus. In truth, no one really knows what is happening, but it is clear that the situation has become unstable. For the moment, the world can just watch, with less than three weeks of the current grain corridor left. It is difficult to sell at any sensible number for the early harvest period. Buyers of harvest barley disappeared off the face of the earth early this week. 
if you can hang on to barley for even a couple of months, it should pay dividends. So the golden question, will we get another chance? I hope so, as we know from experience, weather forecasts are not always correct. Premiums for new crop across the board are strong too, so if you can grab some quality, this should certainly help. For the moment, we are not back to square one, we are just on the back of a little opportunity. Keep your eyes peeled for the next one. The AHDB have released some domestic feed production numbers which might finally suggest that the drop in feed usage might be bottoming out. Let's hope so. For the last few months, our spot market has been dominated by an export trade. As harvest approaches and we find ourselves having to compete with cheap Eastern European products, let's hope that the domestic buyer can take up some of the slack. Some guide prices for this week, circa Friday morning. Feed wheat, July 165 to 175. September 175 to 185. November 180 to 190. With Group 1 milling premiums for new crop still floating around £60. Feed barley, July 140 to 150. October 155 to 165. May 165 to 175. Finally this week, all seed rape, July 345 to 355. That's all for another week. As usual, please call for firm values. The Farming Programme. Five day forecast. And it's going to be a relatively cool week for the time of year, with some rain, although not an awful lot. Firstly, looking at today, fairly cloudy, the odd sunny spell possible, highs only around 19. Monday, fairly similar to that, with a chance of rain or drizzle in the latter part of the afternoon, highs of 18. Tuesday, bit more of a chance of rain in some places, with some sunny spells as well. 19 once again, the high there. Wednesday, a chance of rain. Drier and warmer conditions are likely to move in towards the end of the week, however. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme. And that's about it for this week's farming programme. Next week, we hear from Groundswell, as well as the usual features. Have a good week. The Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts.